Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max. We got Drake. We got Dave. We're in a different streaming platform tonight because, well, like at times with this team last year, we'd had enough of our other one. So we're in the Zoom. Sorry for we don't have the fancy graphics, but wherever you are, make sure you like the video. More importantly, make sure you subscribe. We are powering towards 800, and we want you to be a part of that journey because you're the reason for it. So thanks for coming back. Thanks for stopping by, and we are excited to bring you today's show. We are going to look far into the future today, and we're going to talk about 2022 and beyond. We keep looking at 22, and I feel like we are not considering how we're positioning ourselves for 23. My co-host slightly disagreed. So, gentlemen, let's get to it. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back, folks. Don't worry, different platform, but we still got the intro video for you. We appreciate y'all stopping by and make sure that, again, you like, you subscribe, and leave some comments. Also, Drake is going to be sharing a GoFundMe on his personal Twitter. We'll be sharing it on Locked on Seminoles and the Knowles Anonymous Twitter. Uh, he spoke yesterday about his brother's girlfriend's battle with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, I don't know. I'm not elegant in these situations. It, it just sucks. And when people are going through bad things, it's good to have support of others. So um, any support y'all could throw that would be greatly appreciated. Again, check at Knowles Anonymous at LO underscore Seminoles on Twitter. Uh, or at tally underscore underscore Drake Evis, we're all pulling for you, man. Um, but guys, let's uh, let's kind of slowly transition into what we're talking about today, and that is the far flung future. Because in our pre pre show conversation, we were going to go one way. We kind of got down this thread of we win eight nine games this year. Let's say we win ten this year. What are we setting up for in twenty three? Right, like it feels like there's a lot of people on both sides saying, okay, if Mike Norbell wins this many games this year, he's the guy. If he doesn't, he's not the guy. And I almost feel like this year is just a decider of will there even be a Norbell era or is he going to be a blip on the radar? And I kind of want to get y'all's thoughts on that. This is, you can't make any mistake about it. This is a show me year. Um, it, it's the way you phrased it, Max, it's tough to separate the two positions because like whether there's going to be a Norvell era versus how we're setting up for 23, are kind of mutual not they're not mutually exclusive like if this year we don't win seven plus games we're gonna fall behind in the arms race in the state of florida because this is a time when florida miami and florida state are all down simultaneously it doesn't happen often it's rare and so it presents a rare opportunity where the last two years norvell's gotten a pass he had his year zero he had his year one uh and and now this is the third year he's in the program. And again, against our in-state competition and traditional rivals that have been down in recruiting and on the field. And, you know, Norvell's had enough recruiting classes under him. And I can't think about 23 right now. That to me does not matter. If you don't go out there and win seven plus games this year and show me something, I, I really can't care that far beyond. I just can't. So Hashtag that's like, show me something, <laughs> but I guess that's what I'm talking about. Right. And, and I understand that position, but it's the discussion we had yesterday about the, do you win now or do you develop for the future? And I think you have to do both. 
But this idea that if we win seven, eight games, especially seven or eight, which means maybe you're ranked in the top 25 and you go to kind of an average bowl game. If you're in the SEC, you're top 10. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. What did what was Ole Miss last year? 10 and three? So <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, like recruits aren't going to see that and just magically start jumping into our arms. And we're not going to just jump into this huge recruiting class. Like you look at who he's lining up right now and – Oh, excuse me. I read the comments, right? Oh, Randy Shannon just became coach. So that's why he's, you know, not on these people's, uh, you know, recruiting sheets. And that's why he doesn't have people listed under him. Well, that's just not true. Randy Shannon, the last time he pulled a four-star recruit was in 2017. The 2023 kids were in sixth grade. And you could say, I don't care what his job was. Like if he was any good at DC back then, he would still have been a DC and would have been landing five-star recruits. So like, yeah, for every Herm Edwards, you have a Mac Brown. But at the same time, when a guy hasn't pulled a four-star recruit, not a five-star, a four-star recruit since 2017, I don't have a lot of belief that just because you win one or two games above bowl eligibility, he's going to go from the current zero linebackers committed to having a bunch of four-stars flooding in trying to play football. And by the way, those kids won't even really be impactful at the linebacker position until 24-25. So, like, I guess I look at this year and – I feel like Jack Nicholson in The Departed, right? Like we're arguing about winning eight games or winning six, but in the end of the day, what's the difference? If we don't well, Drake, have a strong Drake, 23. Drake, let me throw this to you. Uh, here's what I want you to speak to. If you're a recruit, if we win, say, five games next year, why the hell would you come to Florida State? Like doesn't the pitch almost become impossible after the last two years? You win five games again. Like if you're a coach looking to replace another coach, why would you come here? If you're a quality recruit looking to come, why would you look to come here if it's just yet another dud under this regime? I mean, you wouldn't. That's my personal opinion, primarily because it's already the kind of a known fact that a lot of coaches around, around the country see McNavella as sort of a dead man walking because he's only won eight games in the past two seasons. And then with the Randy Shannon thing, I mean, it's hard to pull four-star recruits when you're at UCF, especially in the linebacker position too, like anyone competing with Miami, Florida, and also FSU and are you going up against Clemson and that, but it's a little bit different when you have the logo to FSU to, to back you up, right? UCF is recently good. And also with him, he was an off-field analyst. He'll come back in for that. But to me, it's more that where you are right now is where I was last year, Max. Primarily that last year was, okay, we're at, this is the base. Now we're at base camp, right? But yeah, now it feels like, at, exactly. me, yeah, but now it feels like to me that we went further down the mountain. We went straight to the, you know, booking our tickets to fly over to Mount Everest at this point now. So we're to me, sleeping to Paul. We're out. Or, yeah, we're sleeping. <laughs> yeah, like hanging on to Paul with the Sherpa. But like to me, it's more I need a proof of concept to be like not that Mike Norvell is the guy. It's more that is Mike Norvell the right guy now at this point to at least give some sort of foundation for the next I come in because I'm already on the ship basically. Like, I don't think he's the guy for the long term option, anyways. Yeah, I mean, Dave, I, I'll get to both of your points first with Randy Shannon. Yeah, you're right. UCF is not Florida, is not Miami, and. No one made him get fired from those two schools other than his well, own. Well, his head coach got fired. So, you know, you don't keep your DC. Your head coach gets fired. But it's still telling that, like, your head coach gets fired and then you have to go down into the group of five at a coordinator level. Like, he didn't go land a head coaching job. He didn't lateral to another power five. He didn't go. Look, what happened to Kendall Bryles, right, when the head coach mm -hmm. got fired? Like, he ended up at Arkansas. You know what I mean? That's a that's a premier program. I mean, yeah. if he had if he wasn't part of the reason Muschamp got fired and people had seen that, he would have gone and been a DC at, a, or maybe been a position coach at a big power five school. So uh, whatever, this isn't a Randy Shannon thing, but I see what you're saying. It, you're right. It is the fact he pulled four stars at, at UCF could be telling that he is a good recruiter. I, 
that remains to be seen. And again, my point is the kids he's going to recruit aren't going to have an impact year after next. Like I almost wonder, do we risk a dead cat bounce this year? Right? Like, let's say we win eight games. What if we only win seven or eight or six the next year? And right now I'm looking at a team that isn't, it doesn't look like it's building in a linear way. Like I don't see like, okay, we could be okay this year, but look at how, how much older our kids are going to be and how much, how the recruiting class we have coming in, that's going to improve our depth. And then those kids are going to get older. This feels like, especially when I look at the offensive line, because this is like, okay, the offensive line is finally older. It almost feels like this is his pinnacle team. And that's not good in year three. Year three should still be a building team. Otherwise you end up being like Gus Malzahn. Well, Max, the, the, the thing we were talking about before we started recruiting this, and I wish this was organic and the first time I was saying it, but if we do well this year, that's going to make it more difficult to do poorly next year because recruits will come in. Coaches that we need to replace other coaches with, Hondugans, <clears throat> will be easier to come by. It's just a harder sell if you don't really kill it this year, or at least, like Drake said, prove the concept that you do, you win 10 games this year, for example, and I'm not saying that's going to happen or likely to happen. You're going to get better recruits. You're going to get better coaches. All of a sudden, next year, it's a lot harder to win six games. Folks, as Max, Dave, and myself discuss how Mike Novell is establishing a solid foundation with FSU football, our friends over at Run Your Pool are the preeminent website right now to create a solid foundation for your brackets. With March Madness only just three weeks away, even though FSU basketball isn't going to be on there, why not hang out and make a bracket with your friends? Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X, which honestly are both fun in their, really, in their own way, and they have options to add scoring, and they offer you more intel to make your picks, unlike ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves, and there's no truer test than that. So if you want to play against us for a shot at cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family and enter promo code PureMadness, P-U-R-E-M-A-D-N-E-S-S at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. Once again, promo code PureMadness, P-U-R-E-M-A-D-N-E-S-S at runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. And once you're done at Run Your Pool, Head over to Built.com, folks. It's about to be March, and this is typically when you see these New Year's resolutions sort of fall by the wayside, but stick in there. Hang in there with me as the Cherry Barcia Casanova. I am here for your journey. You got Max over there with the Peanut Butter Brownie Brigade, and you got Dave as the Cookie Dough Connoisseur. But, folks, if you don't like the three flavors, there are 16 other flavors to choose from, and there's a brand new one for this month, the White Chocolate Cookies and Cream. Ooh, that sounds fire. I got my, my have to try myself out with that. But, folks, 100 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You will not find a more delicious protein bar out there. And when you go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get a 15%, that's a 1-5% bonus off of your order. Once again, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at Built.com. Right, but you're, I mean, I, I've said the number too, so I'm not, I'm not dinging you, but like you're about as likely to win 10 games this year as, as two, as two. like you're not winning 10, you're not winning 10 games this year. And if you do, I'd be happy. I'm not going to be mad, but it's not realistic. The other thing is that 
we get too caught up in wins as if it's NCAA football 2014 and there's a, an algorithm that has programmed certain recruits to only like your school if you win a certain number of games. You can win eight bad games. Look at Notre Dame in 2018, right? They won four games, 2017, 2017, 2018, whatever it was, they won four games. Their eight losses, six of those were like a, by a combined 16 points or something insane. I mean, they lost more one-score games that year than they had in like the four years before that combined. So you could also win eight games that way where you're winning a lot of just ugly, trashy, one-score games. And that's not showing any improvement. Like recruits aren't obligated to like you more just because you win games. So if you show that, hey, we're beating up on teams that were close last year, like, for example, you go out there in week, what, four? Yeah, week four, five, sorry, week five. And you obliterate Boston College, right? And it's like, okay, same quarterback. Zay Flowers is coming back. You beat them by one last year and you beat them by 21 this year. And then you go beat NC State on the road by 14 points, a team that, you know, basically handed you your lunch the past three years. And then you actually beat Clemson in any form or fashion. And then you, you know what I mean? Like you show, okay, this is a much better team and they're getting better. That's one thing. You, you, you squeak by with seven or eight wins. I don't think it really helps you that much on the trail. Do I, do I, I speak for the fan? Do I speak for the fan? Drake, I'm, I want you to make that point. When I say... Oh my God, just shut the f- up and win already. Like, that has to be what everyone feels like at this point. I don't even care anymore how ugly they are. Just win. I don't I mean, either. I'd like to win. I'm just saying recruits, like, they want to see a team that's improving. They want to see a coaching staff that's going to get them to the NFL. I don't think they really care that much how many wins are on the schedule. I just also don't think they're going to look too deep into how you win the games either. I mean, it's kind of like a known fact, too. Like, basically, one, that Mike Norvell actually is when in person, he's a very good sell on the team. He's yes. very hardworking. Like he's basically, he's got that pastor vibe to him. We all watched the initial press conference when he just got hired as the, as the head coach. If you win some games, there's actually some substance behind his words. And that's for someone that actually is like, is as charismatic as him. It means a lot for him personally. I think it's more that he needs to win these games in order to actually have any value behind what he's selling. And then you're right about the, about the development. We can point to Jermaine Johnson going to the NFL. Kier Thomas might be doing the same damn thing. I mean, we see these kids Baby that are transferring in. Baby and Love yeah. it probably after next season. Jamie Robinson, too. So, to Jason me, it's Corbin. like we have a development there, too. It just – it goes to me that there's probably more issues than we're looking for when it comes to if you want to do recruiting-wise because it's a known fact that the players don't want to go with some of the coaches on the staff right now. And there's a reason why some coaches got demoted and now are co-coordinator of the position. Yeah, but also are sharing it with a very uninspired hire. I think this is the last thing I'll say because I don't want my comments to get misconstrued, although they probably have already. Don't mistake a gazebo for a house. And what I mean by that is like you can build a solid floor, but not really improve what's around you. Like you can say, okay, we're not standing in the mud anymore. We won eight games. But I do think teams will negatively recruit you on – yeah, but they rely like we like think about how we talk about Wake Forest. They had a great season, but they reached their peak because that was like the oldest team they're ever going to have, right? They have a bunch of guys who are going to leave. They have been building to that year for five years, and I, I worry that that's sort of what this Norvell team feels like. It feels like even if it's a connecting flight, it feels like it's a destination year. When it year three after you just won five games should feel like just another just another. Uh, another gas station along the journey where you pick up, okay, maybe seven, eight wins. And now let's really get to the next year. And again, my, my biggest area of concern for that's rooted in the offensive line. 
because you have an old offensive line. That's something a lot of people have pointed to as a reason we should do better this year. But what happens the next year in 23 when half of your offensive line, excluding transfers, are all under the age of 20 years old? They develop. As it have been, basically, that's been the one issue for the past five years is that we've thrown in freshman linemen. And we all know that linemen is, one, the hardest position to project on the football field. And two, you don't get the weight size. <clears throat> you see the linemen we have out there. They're tiny compared. And you see, you see freaking Alabama has freaking Blastoise at center. And it's no, literally just it's – I mean, it's Alabama. But I, we're at least going to have, like, development-wise for these linemen. That's kind of what we're – they're going to be younger, but they'll at least be more ready and not be fresh 18, maybe 19 and a half, 20. Look, zoom out, zoom out, right? I have for, I have forgotten what it feels like to win at Florida State. I have forgotten whether we're capable of winning big at Florida State. It has only been eight years since we won a national championship, and that feels like 80 years ago. It feels like that's on black and white TV at this point. That's how far removed we are from that. I just want to know that the infrastructure – the coaching staff that we have in place right now is capable of doing some winning. I don't care what the cost. I don't care what it means in 2023. Just show me that you're capable of winning and that you can get the team to buy in and perform well enough to do it. Yeah. I mean, look, I want, I want to see us win too. I really do. I just don't know if like, I, I j- it just feels like we're putting a lot in the next year because of what you're saying, Dave, because of how badly we all want to see us win, which I, again, I echo that. I do want to see us win. It's just like, it's your three or two. I'm in it for the long. Yeah. I want to be in it for the longer haul. Right. Like I want to be, you know, excited, like under Jimbo, right? When we signed the 09 class, like we were literally already excited about the 10 class, which ended up being even better. And then we were like already excited about the 11 class, which ended up being number two in the nation. Like we saw the build year to year to year. And Norbell, it feels like he's put a lot of eggs in this year. He's kept all of his coaches, prioritizing continuity, said like, these are going to be my guys. We're going to do this thing. And it's like, great. But even if you win this year, have you scored a Pyrrhic victory where, you didn't get rid of Dugans. You didn't get rid of some other coach or when some other op- openings came up, you weren't able to pull big name coaches. Like l- let's go one step further on that with Dugans. If you win nine games next year, even eight, let's stick with eight. Cause I think eight's a better number and it, it doesn't sound like we're exaggerating as much. It's going to be really damn hard to fire a guy that you kept after three wins and after five wins and then turn around, and fire him after eight. Not as wide receivers still struggle. Yeah, that's exactly right. That I believe that I think is wishful thinking. And that but is, I, but I about to say, it's like that. If we do win eight or nine games, I think that does go to your point that the wide receivers do perform better. But if you know that we were going to replace him with another option who probably didn't come down here because he feared the lack of, you know, Mac Norvell being there the following year. If you have that, then like, Hey, I was still able to get this out of my wide receivers with this guy coaching them. Maybe you'll still be able to bring him in. I also look, Dugan's is on a one-year so. deal. Dugan is on a, a one-year deal. Setting that aside, though, I refuse to believe that Mike Norvell, who's still at the relative inception of his football coaching career, would be stupid enough. Dogs. Sure, but would be stupid enough to say, yeah, you know, I really know that I need to get rid of this coach, even though I just had a good year, just because, like, I don't know, it's hard to. He had a decent year this year. Like, whatever's best for Mike Norvell in Florida State, I just cannot believe he wouldn't prioritize or else he shouldn't be here. But you're, you're operating under the assumption that Mike Norvell's instincts are always correct, right? Like, I think, I think he thinks that Ron Dugans probably is good for Florida State. So then you have a guy that made that decision. And if he wins eight games, then all of a sudden is he validated in his thinking and now keeps someone that, again, it's, it's the same with Jimbo keeping Trickett year after year. 
2013 doomed us to three more years of Rick Trickett. And we saw what happened because of that. that that's, a, that's a fair point. You know, and it's like Charles Kelly, same thing in 2014, kind of. But 2015, the way that defense rebounded, like on the second half of the year, that stuck us with Charles Kelly. And again, we saw that Jimbo didn't even want to take Charles Kelly as a freaking analyst to Texas A&M because deep down yeah. he knew. But in the moment, he wasn't going to fire one of his guys who was, quote unquote, having success on the field. I don't know. I, I, I just I'm not like I'm not being like the sky's falling. I'm just saying, like, I want to I think we need to look at this program longer term. Like we've already been looking at it so long term because we've sucked for so long anyway. What's looking at it in a three year window instead of a one year window now? I don't know. I think I think the problem I think the problem majorly is that if we look at it for I guess say for 23 or 24, it, that would basically mean that for five straight years we barely have flirted with 500. And for college football, especially nowadays, the, the, that 2013 team is more is going to start to look more like a blip in everyone person's radar. Which is we recruits now, like the 18 year olds now were born in 03. So to eventually now they're going to have no recollection of the Peter Warks or the Charlie Wards or Chris Wankies. They'll think of maybe Jalen Rams and Derwin James because they, they they play on Sundays. But so I think that's more the concern that with that. And then also I think Dave alluded to it earlier before we start recording. Kit like Mario Cristobal's down there. He might he might do something. We might not know. Billy Napier's going to do some other stuff. So it's like they're down. The ACC right now has had some of the worst football in the past few years. So it's like it's why are we still struggling actually in our own conference too. And one last ad for today, folks. Sorry to pull you guys away from the great sit-down between the three of us, but you know we got to talk about our friends over at betonline.net. Football might be over for the season. Shout-out to the Los Angeles Rams, OBJ, Matt Stafford, and Jalen Ramsey and Cam Akers. But basketball is in full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. we got March Madness just right around the corner. And it's not just basketball. Betonline.net is your source, your one-stop shop for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. And use promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at boundline.net. Boundline where the game starts. Yeah, Max, I, I want to build off what you just said. If podcasting was a thing 20 years ago, 25 years ago, don't you think Tennessee and Nebraska fan bases would have said something awfully similar to what you just said? Like, look at what we've done it can't just be about this year. Like, we'll figure it out in the next two, three, five, ten years. Like, and eventually it just became, oh, shit, we're not going to figure this out. Oh, I, I didn't say don't try to figure it out this year. I meant we need to look at our prospects because on the other side of what you're saying, right now you're looking at it, you're saying the pragmatic version, but there is a below-the-surface part of the iceberg of your argument, and that's it's not just please win this year. It's if you win this year, I'll consider it successful. What I'm saying is, like I said, it's Jack Nicholson and the departed. I don't really know if I sit back and think about if I really care if we win eight games this year. I care if we win eight games and we win six of them really convincingly and two of those wins are Florida and Miami. But like just getting over a minimum win threshold so we can put, you know, maybe a, a, an Atlantic championship uh, trophy in our trophy case, like that's not going to do it for me. Like I need to see this program because we're not going to win a championship next year. We're not going to win one in 23. So I need to see us making major moves for also 23 and towards 24 so I can say, hey, I can see a championship in two or three or four years. Yeah, just I, I just worry, like, if, if you're Tennessee, you haven't seen 10 wins since 2007. Like, 
are you going to say it again? Like, I need to see that this team can do better than five wins, that they can do eight or nine wins, not just better than five, that they can have a respectable season where they're flirting with a rank. I think also, I though, but I'm not saying don't have that season. I'm saying have that, but I'm not going to really like it's not going to make me super optimistic about the future just because you do just because you hit a number of wins on the schedule. I think me, That's if you right. hit if you hit the eight win threshold, that means, OK, this is slowly starting to work because. Yeah. That would prove that, you know, Norvell, maybe. each season that he's had, exactly, maybe, but by football, that's all, it's always a maybe. But that would show that each year incrementally, Norvell's team actually is performing better. And it also, thanks to you, Branson on 247, incrementally, your sticks are going up in defense, also on offense, too. So it's like maybe the foundation is finally being built. And to me, it's something like, hey, we're finally getting a solid roster influx with the transfer portal, with some of these newer kids coming in. And also, like I said earlier, we're not forced to play these young kids super, super early. Last year, we were bragging about having the youngest roster in the league that was by the most snaps. That's something you don't want <laughs> on a good football team. So hopefully, sure. eventually, we can go away from these narratives because I'm just sick and tired of just not having I guess, a solid baseline saying like where we are exactly. Because right now, I have no idea where we're going to be for next season. Oh, Max, Max. I agree. That's what I'm saying. A- we, need to, we need to build a base, but it needs to have a longer – we need to be looking a little longer term than just like, Hey, let's cobble together some wins because to me, David, what you're saying with Tennessee fans, it's like Florida in 08. How many cracks did they ignore because they were winning, right? How many cracks did we ignore in 14 and 15 because we were still winning and because in 16, we still went to an orange bowl. Like we ignored some pretty glaring problems. And I worry again, that Norvell is so in on this year. Like this is the year that he's ignoring things like not being able to find a good GM, like an administrator. A good that- GM. They struggled to close one. I mean, that was a, there was a lot going on behind the scenes. They, they had a lot of trouble getting a GM in here because the guy he's reporting to who they just gave like a huge raise to most people don't want to work with. Mm. He's keeping position coaches that have huge, I'm not, we can say Randy Shannon might be great, but you can't argue with me that he's a question mark. We don't know. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's, that's we fair. don't that's know fair. about Tokars. He's a question mark. We don't know about Atkins as an OC. Yeah. He's a question mark. We don't know by the way about, this O-line, who I said is old and you got to build the foundation, we are bringing like eight of them in from high school. I, I understand that. But now they're not being directly coached by Alex Atkins every single practice because he's going to be game planning. So we don't – all those things is may he work though? out. Is he though? Because Norvell uh, – We don't know. Him. It's a question mark. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. We have a lot of question marks. and It's like I don't like building foundations on top of question marks. It's scary. Let me ask you a question, speaking of question mark. Would you rather oh, go no, – Nope, I don't play this game. No, nope, no, hold on, hold on. Would you rather go two and 10, but look the best we've looked in a half a decade in every single game, but everything just happens to break against us or go 10 and two, but we look the worst we've looked in a half a decade. I'm always going to take 10 wins, but let me flip that question back on again. Cause I feel like you're just completely missing what I'm saying. How are you going to feel any better about the program next year than you do this time this year? If we win eight games, but we still get the 20th ranked recruiting yes. class. Yes, I will. I'll just knowing that we can still do it and that the coaching staff has built something that's better than three and five wins. I also don't think you're going to get the 23 recruiting class if you win a win. Because you, like, you just improved by almost 100%, by the way. You were one shitty play against Jacksonville State from a full 100% yeah. improvement, and your recruiting class didn't improve at all. Same recruiting class as the year before. I don't think if you if you win those games, I don't think you're going to get the recruiting class. But kind of like how you're saying, you know, we win nine games, wide receivers aren't going to be better or be worse. Maybe. Or maybe <laughs> because you don't, because also it's a long game. Like that's the other thing is like, who's out there on our list. Like we can throw some names around, I guess, but like the crystal balls aren't really rolling in right now. And oh, you get Lane Kiffin, bro. 
Get Lane Kiffin. Yeah. You bring, Lane, Lane Train, baby. Why would Lane Brett. You bring in Dion. Oh, no, no. I don't mean oh, as head coach. I'm, I'm saying, like, for, for the next, <laughs> like, you know, we're not seeing, like, okay, this staff is hot on the 23 trail because what I'd like to see going into year three is like, hey, they're coming off the number three class, number six class, whatever. Let's again, let's use Jimbo. He was coming off, I think, in year one. He's coming off the 11th ranked class. And we knew he was lining up like the sixth or seventh ranked class. And then he was like, we knew he was lining up number. And like, that's just not there with these guys. It's like, the where class could have been. That's what sucks is because we had Travis Hunter lined up. We could have lined up some legacy recruits. Like the class was there to potentially be a top 10-ish class. And it fell apart at the last second. That's what's unfortunate. But yet, even then still, we still Did have it fall apart at the last second though. As a CEO, it's your job to know. Sorry, Enron. Like you got to know that your auditors are cooking the books, even if you're not telling them to do it. And if he doesn't know that he's going to get blindsided on signing day, like, here's my issue with the whole Travis Hunter thing. I know we've said we'd put this one to bed. (laughs) Deion Sanders is such a cocky, arrogant dude. He's loud. He's brash. He's flamboyant. Like he's good at that stuff. I have trouble believing that Deion Sanders was able to keep his mouth shut for several days. Like I'm not saying he told the whole world, but I have trouble believing that there's no way you could have maybe found out there was a threat there. Like, I just don't believe a 17 year old kid who like loves being popular and on social media. And then Deion freaking Sanders we're able to like, even within, I'm talking like, you'd have to do some espionage, but we're able to keep it completely locked down. Neither here nor there. But then but, I take away from the ceremony though. I think that was kind of like, well, you want that big moment, that big turn. If you, it's like a bigger moment. If, if you, It's a bigger moment. If you do what, you know, right at noon, than if you do it, Hey guys, I'm decommitted. Find out where I'm going next. Like, it's like, that's the bigger thing. And I tracked his Instagram followers. He gained almost 60 K in two days after that. But where were, where were, the red flags and like where again were the dudes on the ground in mississippi on the, like where were the guys at the gas station you're calling going hey have there been any jets there type of work i'm talking about when Dion said shock the world like you didn't put two and two because like, it's here's the thing it's not my job to recruit kids like mm-hmm. that's your full-time job your one job marcus woodson was to get travis hunter to sign that letter and you hear Dion, you know travis visited there and said great things about the visit and Dion says he's going to shock the world. And you don't think like, hey, maybe I should like, I don't know. I'm not saying whatever. I'm getting, all, I'm if getting we, lost. If, you know what, if, we, if we knew the answer to that, we would be game. I know. I know. Hey, but my, hey, my, you know my what? point gonna... is I want to start seeing some smoke for 23 before I'm ready to like, because that's what I don't want. If, if we win eight games where like, you're right. Maybe we get better recruits. Maybe. Well, but Max, like, Max, which kids? Let me stop you there. Let me put a bow in that for you. Put we go nine on. and three last year. Where's Travis Hunter right now? Probably at Jackson State. Yeah, bro, Jackson State. I don't. He's at Jackson State, and uh, our best, you know, wide receiver prospect is probably not going to join the team in the fall, right? You can check the Marvin uh, Jones Jr. Check the Miami Herald. Marvin Jones. You probably do get him. You probably probably land one. You're right, and that's one kid. Um, Probably also get Tyree West from committed to Tennessee. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we don't have we don't have Tennessee kind of money. That's uh, that's (laughs) a team, by the way. Speaking of which, like you bring them up as never going to be good again. The amount of money they're throwing into NIL and stuff, like crazy. That team's gonna be good again. They have to be at some point, like, or otherwise, that's the worst investment since I don't know <laughs> Blockbuster in two thousand two. Anyway, I, I think we've got around the round that bend enough. I don't I don't know if there was really a point in there. Um, hope y'all like the more conversational single segment. That, you know, usually we come to you five days a week. We like to bring y'all the uh, the three segments. Get it in nice, clean, boom, bam, bang. But today we mixed it up a little because it's Thursday night. It's Friday as you're listening to this. And from me, from Dave, from Drake, and baby Yoda back there, we hope you all have a great weekend. 
I'm Max. That's Drake. That's Dave. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Good old.